This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back again, horticulture filled rushing. Now we're going to be talking about gardening. I know it's hot and it's humid. Some folks have got rain, some ain't. Um, you know, we can always use a good deep slow soak overnight, but anyway, we've got to take it like we can get it. That's the way gardeners roll. You know, it's not like we're trying to produce a crop or something. We're just trying to, to get the most out of our little square plot of land. Anyway, if you've got some questions or some comments or some things you'd like to chat about or maybe you need a third or fourth opinion about something, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. You can also email us, garden at mpbonline.org. We've got a whole bunch of uh, stuff starting to come up uh, this fall, garden events, but I've only got one to talk about this week that's coming up right away. That's this coming Tuesday. Uh, anybody in central or south central Mississippi, uh, next Tuesday, July 17th, starting at 6 o'clock in the evening, the Copiah County Master Gardeners are having one of their regular educational sessions. They always have fun. They've got food and door prizes, and it's always free. Well, this coming Tuesday night, uh, Tricia Nelson is going to be talking about how to create different kind of theme gardens, you know, like a pizzeria garden or Winnie the Pooh garden or Shakespeare garden or Eudora Welty garden or English garden, uh, that sort of thing. If you're interested in that, uh, the extension office, again, is Copiah County Extension Office. It's just off the interstate at the Gallman exit, which is between Crystal Springs and Hazelshurst of Interstate 55. Always have a lot of fun. Again, it's free July 17th, 6 in the evening. So if you've got some things you'd like to chat about, we've got some things coming up this fall, including a really uh, uh, an unbelievable native plant conference. It's going to be in the Memphis Botanic Garden. Not till October the 20th, uh, late October 26th, 27th. we got some more uh, information about that. But if you're interested in native plants, uh, this program usually fills up. It's a two-day conference. It usually uh, sells out. Anyway, if you're interested and want to get a head start, uh, it's put on by the Memphis Horticulture Society. So just go to Memphis horticulture.org get a little bit more information uh, we've got some other things to talk about well let's start off right off the bat because doing what we like to do the most and that's talking with you let's uh, go to uh, Stephanie in Brandon hey Stephanie good morning hi good morning um, What's up? I have just two questions I have um, two trees in my backyard one is an apple tree I've come to find out because it's got apples on it the other is a pecan tree um, I don't know what kind of apples these are and when they will be ripe. I've only got about six apples on the, it's a tiny tree. And then uh-huh. with the pecans, um, we lived in this house last year and we didn't get a single pecan off of it because of the squirrels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering how can I find out like what kind of apples these are when they're ripe and how can I finally get some pecans off my pecan tree? Okay. Both, both of those are really good questions and they're, they're really easy to answer, but you're not going to like the answer. One is you can't. You're going to have to figure out what they are, when they ripen. And because there's different varieties of apples, some are ripen early, some are mid-season, some are late season, there's no way to tell without knowing what apple, when they're likely to ripen. So you just got to keep an eye on them. Uh, but let me, let me suggest this. You know the kind of uh, little um, mesh bags that sometimes uh, uh, fruits or vegetables come in, little plastic mesh bags? Put some of those around the fruits, 
keep bugs and birds and squirrels off of them. If there's not that many, you can still do this, but uh, tying a reel loose in some kind of bag, that'll help a little bit. And you just have to wait until probably, I'm going to say, late August, September, even early October before you can tell if they're ripe or not. Uh, one other thing about apples, in the deep south, a lot of their apples that turn really red up north don't get that, that same kind of color here in the deep south. So you really can't go by color is what I'm saying. Um, so anyway, not much to do except just wait and see on those. As far as your um, pecans, there's so many different things that affect whether pecans produce one year or not, how much rain we get in the spring with it, washes and pollen off and all that. But there's no way at all to keep squirrels from eating pecans. I was raised in pecan grove. We had a 410 shotgun, and even that didn't help that much. So there's really no way to keep squirrels off of pecans or or oaks or acorns or anything, or tomatoes for that matter. So I'm afraid you're just sort of stuck with that one. Sorry. Well, that, thank you very much. I, that was very helpful. I appreciate it. Well, if, if nothing else, uh, uh, Stephanie, it helps you just give a big sigh of release and move on to something else. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good, good luck on it. All right, and I stay in Brandon. This is really unusual. Let's stay in Brandon and uh, talk with Nick. Hey, Nick, good morning. Hey, good morning. I've got a vine that's growing up uh, on my porch, and my wife is pretty convinced that it is poisonous, but I'm not. So um, it's growing pretty heavily. Um, yeah. In the vines, they're red on the tips uh, with the new growth, but when they grow out, they uh, turn to a more bright green. And as yeah. the leaves get mature, there's about on some of them, as many as 11 different leaves sprouting. Yeah, that won't be poison ivy then, no. No. Um, I don't know about the red tip on it, but one of the most common vines that grows right now that that, that has a, 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 a sort of bright green leaves is one that's called, some people call it trumpet vine or trumpet creeper. And it's got a whole bunch of that, but the, the twigs on those are kind of white colored. Tell you what, I can tell you it's not poison ivy, though. Is there any way you can get a pretty good picture and shoot me uh, it in an email? Sure. Yeah, if you can do that, we can identify it pretty good. If it has any kind of flowers, but otherwise, I could probably identify it just for the leaves because, to be honest with you, there's not that many wild vines out there. So we can give it that way. But anyway, right off the bat, it's not poison ivy, and that's the worst one you need to worry about. All right. Thanks so much. Okay, it's the start. Meanwhile, give her a sweet smile. Send me a picture when she ain't looking. <laughs> That's right. All right, okay. have a good one. Okay, appreciate it. Our number, folks, is uh, just toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring um, Got a few little emails, some kind of interesting I want to share with you, but let's uh, slide down the street to Brookhaven. <laughs> morning, Robert. How are you? Good morning, Felder. Uh, I have a question about tomatoes. Okay. Okay. Uh, this happens every year. It's happened three years in a row. And the first one, we usually get it to stop, or it stops on its own. I'm not sure which. But it'll put on, put on some really pretty tomatoes, and then you know, about halfway through, they'll get black on the bottom. And uh, we've yeah. tried a number of things, you know, and I just wanted to see what you would suggest. Yeah, well, the, it, it's always right there on the bottom, though, right? It's, it's right there on the bottom, right? Exactly, yeah. It's black yeah. on the very bottom of the tomato. Yeah. This is a pretty common thing. It's called blossom end rot. 
it, it, real common. I mean, you can Google it. And, uh, and, and it's caused by something kind of interesting. It's a lack of calcium in the developing fruit. Tomatoes and sometimes peppers will get blossom in rot. Because they grow so fast, they can't get calcium, and that will cause that end to, to rot. There's two things you can do. First of all, anytime you plant tomatoes or peppers, always add just a little bit of agriculture lime, at least every two or three years because the stuff lasts that long. But agriculture lime puts the calcium in the soil by your plants. Uh, second thing is if the plants are staying really wet or get really dry, they can't absorb that big calcium molecule. And so usually, even if there's plenty of lime there, plenty of calcium in the soil, if your plants stay a little too wet, or a little too dry, they can't absorb calcium, now show up in tomatoes. Now, the short solution is you can go to any garden center, buy this stuff called Stop Rot. And all it is is a liquid calcium fertilizer. Spray it right on the plant, pour a little around the roots, and that'll give a real good quick fix. But Stop Rot is a liquid calcium fertilizer for blossom and rot. That's how common it is. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Phil. Okay, that's 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 a good one, Robert. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, our number is toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, let me uh, let me let me ask Java. Can I ask you something? Yeah, go ahead, Felder. Have you ever heard uh, a John Prine song called "Dear Abby, Dear Abby, You Got No Complaint"? Uh, I can't say that I have. Well, it's an old one. you got to almost be an old hippie to remember. But John Prine, he sang the thing about Dear Abby, Dear Abby, you got no complaint. And uh, it's where people are writing with all these weird questions, and he always ends up saying, you know, don't worry about it. You, you know, it is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Anyway, I'd like to do kind of a fun song with garden-related lyrics. I'm wondering if any listeners, can we ask listeners if they can get send us some creative lyrics to, to, to that tune, those who know it? Yeah, Feather, you already uh, have people make songs without even asking, so I'm pretty sure if you ask them, they will they will oblige. Anybody's heard the old John Prine song called Dear Abby, Dear Abby? I'm looking for some, some clean garden-related lyrics. Anybody feel creative, uh, shoot us an email about it, garden at mpbonline.org. Again, garden at mpbonline.org. John Prine, Dear Abby, Dear Abby, be like Dear Felder, Dear Felder. We'll see what we can come over. Just trying to have a little fun here, folks. Uh, meanwhile, let's slide down to the uh, to the. Oh, I, 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 let's take a break. We got a, 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 a caller from Past Christianity. But if you'll hang on, we're going to take a real quick break and do a little bit of business, only a minute or two, and then we're going to come back with more of this. Uh, by the way, if you're interested in native plants, be sure to check out the thing that's coming up in Memphis in October. Get a head start because it's going to book solid. Go to Memphis Horticulture. Dot org. The name of this program is called Cultivate Wild. Uh, anyway, just scroll down on events and you'll come across it. Uh, I've got some other things we wanted to, uh, to talk about, including me going out every day to pick little worms off my garden pea plants one by one before they show up the flower buds. Or if you want to give us uh, a call, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING, or shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I'm checking my emails even as we talk. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. 
Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture Spell Russia. Me and Java Chapman are, are just trying to, to keep this party rolling, and we're going to slide all the way down to the Gulf Coast past Christiane. Good morning, Mike. What's going on, guy? Hey, Fowler, how you doing? So uh, far, so good. I, I heard your uh, comment concerning the blossom end rod on the tomatoes, and right? I've always policed that pretty good, but I had something this year where that where that when the fruit became large enough to start to ripen, then the skin would just turn brown and rot yeah. away. I, I, I've never seen that happen before, and I didn't know exactly what it was. I have since sent a soil sample off this week. So is, is that something in the soil I'm missing? or No, it, it wouldn't. Blossom in rot is pretty common. In, it can happen even in, in melons, watermelons, and cantaloupes, anything with a big fruit that grows fast. Blossom in rot is a calcium deficiency. But uh, when you're seeing the, the skins right on that, uh, if we can rule out sun scald, you know, sometimes people no, prune yeah, their tomatoes. We yeah, yeah, we can. It just, it'd get green. You could, you could, yeah. we ate green tomatoes forever, yeah. but you could bring yeah. a green one in and let it ripen in the house and then it would, it just start, the skin start turning brown down the side, not well, on the end. Yeah, if it, if it, like I say, sun scald was short way before then. There are several fungal and bacterial diseases that affect uh, tomatoes, uh, the tomato fruits, and uh, they they may not show up, you know, right at first. I'm, I'm sort of guess what I would do is if they don't have symptoms when you pick them, as soon as you pick them, if you'll just run them under some water, maybe even dip them in a real mild, believe it or not, little chlorine bleach solution that'll disinfect the skin and it'll if there's any fungi or bacteria on it that'll that, that'll help wash it it's perfectly okay to dip them in a real mild chlorine and water solution uh, commercial growers sometimes do that but it sounds more like it's a fungal or bacteria infection that's just showing up once you pick it uh, I'm yeah just, if you I'm leave it, a, if you leave it on the if you leave it on the vine then it will just completely rot it'll yeah. rot right on the vine and still be hanging yeah. on I have a book that's 32 pages, a pamphlet, 32 pages with pictures, and it's called Diseases of Tomatoes. Not insects, just diseases. 32 pages of it. And there's a lot of things that will affect that. Usually when it's really humid or if the plants are uh, if they're staying wet or anything like that, but they can show up anytime. Commercial growers spray with fungicides all the time as a preventative. Yeah. Sometimes it shows up in home garden. But, again, it's a really good Strongly educated guess on my part, but I would suspect yeah. that. Okay, man, I appreciate. It. I should know on the soil sample here in a few days. So, well, listen, when, when you get that back, uh, Mike, when you get it back, it's going to say a couple of things on there that even though when I was with Extension Service and I'm fully retired Extension Service, I actually did soil testing in a lab when I first got started. The printout you're going to get is going to be a bunch of scientific agriculture jargon. It's going to recommend that you need to add ammonium nitrate to your garden. Don't do it. That's a computer talk, and it spits out the first thing that comes up. But in the garden, ammonium nitrate, which is what they always recommend, is not something I would ever recommend to home partners. So when you get the results back, but you can email them what they are. Because of the pH, how ammonia affects the pH filter. No, it's because ammonium nitrate is like cocaine to plants. It's real strong, it's real fast, it's real temporary, and then it's gone. 
Uh, you, what, a, what a home garden needs is something slow and gentle and long-lasting rather than something harsh agriculture. So, uh, you know, that is, is, you know, there are other sources of nitrogen that are more gardener-friendly. The computer just spits out an agriculture recommendation. So I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that it's wrong. It's just the wrong product. Yeah, anyway, yeah, when, you, okay. when you get that, shoot me an email about it. All right, man. I appreciate it. Okay, good luck on them maters, Mike. Okay, let's slide up to the free state of Jones. Hey, William, good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, my question is, uh, I'm over here in southwest Jones out by the river, but anyway, I'm the one that, you know, my neighbor told me all my trees wasn't going to live because I had too much nitrogen. But anyway, all my little oak trees, they made it fine. They're three and four years old and all that. So this year, as soon as they started greening up, they had good growth on them and all that, all of a sudden something started eating. You know, this is five or six acres of all kind of different oak trees. Something just started eating them. I would look. I couldn't find any bug on them whatsoever. One of my neighbors said, why don't you go out there at night? I went out there at <laughs> night and shined a light on them, and these black beetles are consuming them from the top to the ground. And so yeah. anyway, I didn't know what it was. I took them to the extension office. Uh, I assumed they sent them to Mississippi State. And so anyway, they called me back and told me I have May beetles. They're just yeah. black beetles. They're smaller than a June bug. But anyway, I was just wondering. I've been planting trees for 40-something years. I've never seen this. Are, are these things on like a cycle? Or did I disturb the ground a different way? I plowed up the field that adjoins this place. Uh, well, what yeah. did I do, or what, 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 what's the long-term remedy, or what, what happened there? Okay, the, the long-term remedy is just ignore it because the trees are put on new growth. They're, they're, they're cyclical. They, you, know, a whole, what, you know, they're in the same family, June bugs and, and, and that sort of thing, and they have grubs that live in the dirt. And when the weather's right, you know, a whole bunch of them lay eggs. You have a lot of grubs one year that turn into beetles the next year. So it's not something you're likely to see a whole bunch. Matter of fact, a lot of times when they build up, there are predators and even diseases build up. So this is not something you need to expect every year. To be honest, there's not anything real practical you can do about it. Most of the time, they're going to do a bunch of damage, then they're gone and the trees are put on new leaves. So the best thing I can say is hope for a good rain and help the trees put some new leaves on. Okay, well, thank you. I put that. They told me to put ortho bug on on there, so I got some and sprayed it on there. Now, what, but anyway, now, what 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 kind of plants were these again? Oh, uh, well, you know, these uh, swamp chestnut oaks, nut oaks, yeah. uh, shumards, yeah, yeah. Uh, live oaks. Yeah. They wouldn't hardly eat the live oaks very much, but they would well, eat yeah. the little ends of them. But well, the rest well, of them, I, they yeah. they would eat all the leaves off. Well, I, I thought you said oak trees. I'm thinking, how practical is it to spray oak trees with an insecticide? I mean, you can, uh, but you got to really get, you know, you got to get good coverage. Let me recommend this: if you're going to use an insecticide, uh, mix a little dish detergent in with it, about a teaspoon to a gallon of spray. This will help it spread out and stick on better. Okay. And uh, and other than that, I would just ignore them. You know, it's it's something that that would be bad some years. Not that bad some years, usually not that big a deal to the trees. Well, it seems like I've noticed some other people had this going on, but every yeah. place I've seen that had it going on was, was next to a field. And I didn't yeah. know if they were coming out of the uh, these fields. No, coincidental. They, they, no, they, coincidental. They come from grub worms in the dirt. And like I say, when they build up one year, usually the predators and diseases build up and take care of them for another year or two or three. 
All right, that's what I need to know. Thanks. Good, good luck on it. Okay, uh, we've got a couple of calls. We've got a good, uh, a sweet little tune coming up in a, in a few minutes. We've got a couple of callers. But before then, I want to run a very short interview. It's less than a minute long. I managed to snag a fellow that I, I've known for some years. Anybody from, from the U.K. has heard of, of Alan Tishmarsh. He's sort of the garden guru over in England. Anyway, I snagged him uh, at a show, and I got a real short, quick interview with him about a favorite topic of mine, and that's the importance of sharing pass along plants. Less than a minute, let's play that Java, and then we'll come back with a couple more phone calls. I am at the Royal Horticulture Society's largest flower show in Hampton Court Palace just outside London. And to wrap up my chat with Alan Tishmarsh, England's top garden guru, I asked him about remarks he made to a group of us earlier about the importance of pass-along plants. In your closing comments of plant heritage, you said that, that, that plants are like knowledge, and they're not really powerful unless you pass them along. Exactly. You, you, just like that. Knowledge is power only when it's spread out. And plants are the same. To keep them going, give them away. They want to grow. It's up to us not to get in the way. Thank you so much, Al. I appreciate it. Enjoy your work. Yeah, that's right. He said that knowledge is power only if you share the same thing with some of these heirloom plants. Uh, as many of you know, I'm, I'm very fond of pass-along heirloom type of plants. Those people don't share chunks. We like to have good plants that perform that we know how they're going to do, and they have a history and, and all sorts of reasons why certain plants get shared more than others. Uh, we, whether you call them passlongs or heirloom or heritage plants, whatever. Anyway, he I thought it was really interesting. He said they're like power, uh, the, the, the power in knowledge, not any good to you give it away. Hey, let's go down to Macomb down in Pike County. Good morning, Marianne. How are you this morning? I am just fine how are you i'm fine although i will say i will say i went out in my little garden here up in northern england it, twice a day the past week because they got little green caterpillars trying to eat up my garden peas we can't grow oh, garden peas in the south but i'm out there squishing little caterpillars sorry butterflies but it's my peas we're talking about anyway what you got going on well, I'm just curious. I have a small vegetable garden. I planted a, a few eggplants, um, tomatoes, um, bell peppers. Um, anyway, the tomatoes are doing great, but I cannot grow peppers. They get blooms, but then the blooms go away, and I get no fruit. And it's the same yeah. thing I notice on the eggplant that the, I get beautiful blooms, and then they, they just fall off. Yeah, and, and oddly enough, this is fairly common on all three of those. Tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers are in the same family. And when the temperatures hit the mid-90s or they in the, the 90s, a lot of times the flowers don't form right and they simply fall off. Sometimes the little small fruits will do the same thing. And most of the time it's because of just plain hot weather, which not much we can do about. But also a little bit too much fertilizer at a time will cause them to throw their, their, their flowers and fruit off. So I would spoon feed them, give them just a little fertilizer. I, I give you an example. I use liquid fertilizer on some of my plants, and it costs for like a big scoop to a gallon of water. I put mm-hmm. half a scoop in a gallon. Half a scoop is plenty. And this kind of hot weather, if you plants with water and fertilizer, in, in coupled with the, with the heat, a lot of times you're just going to shake out. They'll pick back up as soon as it starts cooling down in the fall, though. So if so I cut back those pepper plants, if I cut those pepper plants back, Will new growth come? 
Oh, yeah, they're like little yeah. bushes. Uh, you know, in, in the, the tropics, peppers make little small bushes. Uh, you can almost sit under some of them. But if you prune them back a little, they'll sprout back out. But I, I wouldn't do them all at once. Do some of them and see how they do. And if you like the way they do, then do the others. You've got plenty of time for that. Well, I've been using a powder type of fertilizer, and I've just um, once every three weeks, just not even a handful, just a little bit, you know, with my hand and sprinkle it around the dirt and oh, work it in. That, that's way too much fertilizer. You oh, know, okay. If you can imagine, if you can imagine a scant handful, you know, like you're going to throw some dice or something, and mm-hmm. you're going to throw it towards the plants. That's plenty. But uh, this this kind of fertilizer, a lot of these vegetables will get by. Let's put it this way. Too much is a lot worse than none at all. So I think mm-hmm. you might be pushing them just a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Good luck, Mary Ann. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good day. Okay. All righty. Um, by the way, uh, have we got another call, Java, before we listen to my cheesy tune? Yeah, we're going to um, queue up Polly in Covington, uh, Louisiana, but um, I know you wanted to say something before we get to her call. Yeah, yeah. I, I came up with a new word this week. I coined a new word. Uh, the, the word in Greek, uh, phyto, means plant. And I wrote a call, you know, I write uh, every week for the, the daily and weekly newspapers in Mississippi. Mississippi Press Association sends it out to all the local papers uh, in the state. And uh, this week's column is about how I'm saying goodbye to a couple of old plants that I've had for 40 years. I gave one to my son, one to my son-in-law for their offices. Uh, and I compared it to giving away an old pet, which is hard, it's impossible to do. Anyway, I came up with the word phytopet or plant pet. This is like phytopets, and, and I'm sharing share with other folks. Uh, anyway, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, uh, see if your local newspaper, the daily, the weekly paper, see if they carry my column. It's free from the uh, Mississippi Press Association. They already know about it. But I get a lot of emails from people uh, who read that around the, the state. Anyway, uh, who did you say we're talking to in Covington? Yeah, we got um, Polly in Covington, Louisiana. You're on the air with oh. Felder. Uh, hey, Polly, good morning. Hey, Felder, how are you? I'm doing fine, doing real fine. What's going on? Well, first of all, I just want to tell you I live for your show. I've learned so much from you and the callers. And well, second well, of all... I want to ask you a question about this thing that I have in my garden. It it's a giant grasshopper, and he's you real gotta... pretty. He's all different colors: uh, yellow, red, green, black. But they are devouring my plants. I've had to even oh. bring my patio plants inside. What what is it, and what can I do? Well, there's not much you can do. Grasshoppers are the same family as crickets and roaches, and, and you know they eat plants for a living, and they can eat. You've heard of a plague of locusts? Well, the yes, locusts that's exactly, literally, exactly what I feel like I have. <laughs> well, that's what they are. Locusts in the, in the Bible are big grasshoppers. And uh, it, once they're big, if they're almost as big as your finger, they've done about most of the damage you're going to do. So unless okay. you see some little ones out there, then it may be the worst of it's over. They get a certain size, and then they're out of here. So if they're all pretty big, you know, you might be able to wait them out. But otherwise, unless you want to spray with a lot of uh, a lot of insecticides, uh, no. about the best you can do is go out there with, I don't know, a pair of scissors or just thump them with your finger or something like that. But birds will eat them if they can get to them. 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's what I've been doing, just trying to pick them off. The, you know, is they, there a name? I mean, do they have a special name, or are they just an old grasshopper? Well, there's a lot of different grasshoppers out there. A lot of times the big ones are called lovers, L-U-B-B-E-R-S. Yeah, that's what but, I've uh, heard. Okay, that's But, but I've, I've also I've always associated lovers with those black ones with the yellow and the black stripe down their back. But anyway, big grasshoppers, let's just call them a plague of locusts. If you could keep okay. thumping them off, as long as you don't see the little ones out there, the worst of it may be over. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, and thank you again for the oh, wonderful oh, oh, show. Oh, uh, and let me ask you, how far are you from Mandeville? Oh, hop, skip, and a jump. Well, on uh, Friday afternoon, September the 21st, I'm giving a talk for the Master Gardeners there. Oh, great. Wonderful. So well, my, one of my best friends is a Master Gardener, so I'll get the scoop well, from her. It's the St. Tammany Master Gardeners. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, fun herbs and other stuff like that September 21st. Hope to All see right. you there. Good. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okie doke, folks. So I've, got, I've gotten emails from all over the place, including one. Let me shoot this one by you. No, I will, we'll wait till after the program. Uh, the the uh, program, to the, the tune today is a real fun one. It's actually from 100 years ago. Um, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's garden-related, and uh, it's, it's, it's from 1919, almost 100 years ago. That uh, I th- and it's about a good old-fashioned garden. I think you'll enjoy it. We're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener in your phone calls, a few emails. And if you've got any kind of announcements or anything I can help with, shoot me an email, gardenmtbonline.org. We're turning this into a garden party. Don't care if you're dressed or not. Let's have some fun. If you want to share some stuff, shoot it to me in email, garden at mpbonline.org. Otherwise, after this nice little sweet tune from a century ago, we'll be back with more of your live phone calls here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
small, they can't lift the adults off the ground. So yeah, they the, the young, be restricted yeah. to a very small area. But yeah. the best way to get them is in the spring when they first hatch out, they're still small, say the size of a dime or maybe a little larger. They're susceptible yeah. to insecticides at that point. Or you can Almost just, any kind of they don't move around very much, you can just pick them up and throw them in a bucket, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, I agree. Apparently, these caught it by surprise, though, and that's the reason I didn't recommend insecticides. Uh, you can kill them with insecticides, but it takes a ton of it, and it's just not worth it. Most of the time, by the, they're too big to kill. They're, they're, they're easier to grab and thump. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, but you're, you're right about that. radically, so they're not really all that affected by insecticides. Yeah, and same thing with, with the big stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs. The little ones are easy to control, but the big ones, is it hard to kill with a brick? Oh, yeah. And it's all, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot easier. But you got to pay attention, and sometimes they'll sneak up on you. And I think that's what happened to her. Yeah, that's anyway, really, most, most people don't notice things until it's too late to do anything about them. <laughs> Ain't that true about life, though, brother? Indeed. Anyway, really good tip, though, Tim. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, by the way, I got a um, uh, an, an email from uh, Martha Swindle. She lives in Sherman, Mississippi. She said that her euonymus shrubs are starting to brown out. They're crusty with all this stuff. Turns out there's this type of insect called euonymus scale. They attach themselves with the leaves and the twigs. Really hard to control scale once they attach themselves cover themselves with that covering. What I recommended was she simply cut the plant back. And by, this is true if your plants are turning brown for root problems. Middle of the summer, a lot of plants brown out. The best thing to do, if you don't do anything, they're probably going to die. If you simply cut the plants back, that takes the immediate stress off it. In the case of scale, it gets rid of the scale. You can spray the parts that are left with this summer oil to cover up any of the scale that's still there. But by cutting it back, it gets rid of the worst of it, and it stimulates real strong new growth. A lot of times it doesn't have scale on it or outgrows the scale. So anyway, that's the kind of emails I get every week, all week. You can shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I wanted to mention, by the way, I looked up Sherman. It's a town that actually straddles three counties. Sherman is in Pontotoc County, but parts of it are in Lee County and Union County. Uh, it's founded in 1840. town has about 650 people. Anyway, it's a town. Sherman lives in three different counties. Hey, let's go to Mendenhall. Good morning, Claudette. How are you today? I'm great, Felder, and it's so good to hear your voice again, and I thoroughly you. enjoy your show. I'm like the other lady. I just live to hear it. Well, I appreciate so, you being part of it. What's up? Um, my sweet potato vines have little holes all in them. Something's eating them up. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it could be several things, including a little type of beetle that feeds on the other side of the leaves. Um, the control for that, uh, like a caller earlier, Tim called, once beetles get some size on they're hard to control. If you want to spray, you need to use a, a liquid insecticide and spray where it gets the underside of the leaves because that's where they are. A lot of times they'll drop on the ground. So if you'll spray late in the day, you know, while you're, the bees and butterflies and stuff like that are gone, you'll have a better shot of controlling. The other thing to do is just to ignore it because, you know, those that have leaves in them, those holes aren't going to fill back in. So unless you just want to uh, to spray to keep the new growth from getting the uh, uh, insects, you'd have to spray pretty good late in the afternoon. You might also think about just cutting the plants back a little bit, and they'll sprout out new growth almost overnight. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is pretty common. Some years it's really, really bad, and it can it's irritating, but 
once they're bad looking, you know, even if you spray those bad things, it's going to look bad. If you cut them back, spray the ground late in the afternoon with a good insecticide that's recommended for gardens, a lot of times they'll sprout back out no problems at all. Okay, I'll try that. All right, I appreciate it. I thank you so much. You know, it probably irritates some people that uh, I seem to not want to recommend a lot of sprays. But, but the truth is, like, like Tim and Gulfport said, most of the time we notice stuff, the damage is already done or it's looking so bad that sprays really not going to help that much. So unless I think a spray is really going to be effective, I tend to say take your glasses off. Problem goes away. Gardens are not perfect. Heck, i got hair growing out of my ears. You know, that's just part of getting old. And, um, you know, you sometimes with the flow. Anyway, let's slide up to Tennessee, to Mulberry, Tennessee. Connie, where is Mulberry? Yeah. Mulberry is in um, uh, south middle Tennessee in Lincoln County. Okay, pretty close to Jackson, I guess. Um, not far from Jackson, but actually it's just a little bit south of Lynchburg where Jack Daniels Distillery is. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, what can I help you with today? Well, we have an old, old, old pear tree that's actually sort of hollow down the middle, and it always puts on a good crop. It's got fire blight and all everything else going on every year, but it puts on good pears. They're the old, timey, hard kind. I have no idea what kind of tree pear tree it is. However, this year, the fruit, um, even the, the small fruit, they're brown, and they have lumps all over them, sort of a brown, lumpy stuff on the surface. And we have several yeah. other pear trees that have it as well. And we've never had it before, and I have no idea what it is. I was wondering if you could help us. Uh, you know, yes and no. I studied that. I see it in my head, but I don't remember what causes it. I want to say that it, it's just why I, I don't know. I can't remember, to be honest with oh. you. Uh, but I, something in me says that it's weather-related. It's called russeting or something like that. Uh, something yes. tells me this weather-related from back in the spring. I just can't remember. But I'll tell you what, if you can, if you can send me a good, clear close-up of it, then uh, it, sure it, does, it doesn't take me five minutes. I've got some special links, you know, plant pathologists and, and entomologists oh, okay. use it. It wouldn't take me any time to look up, but I just need a good, clear close-up of it. Maybe we can help on that. It may just be a cosmetic thing, though, Connie. Well, they're, they're also falling off, and so... I was thinking we had an exceptional amount of rain this spring, and I thought it might. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. It's just a real strange thing. I've never seen it before. Yeah, so, something, something in the back of my mind tells me this weather, uh, environmental related, not an insect or disease. Okay, uh, but that's great. That's, that's, but I'm having to pull from fruit science classes from a long time ago. Anyway, let's see if we can come up with, with something. Okay, I'll send you a picture. Thank you. All righty, you bet. And by the way, folks, I want to throw this out. I do a garden, you know, I put off for years. I just really don't like doing a lot of, reading a lot of stuff that people, uh, I'm, I'm grouchy. I never have had a garden blog. But I finally started doing a blog. And I don't do something every day or even every week. But every couple of weeks I write about something that you're not going to read about anywhere else from somebody who's, who's who really just trying to have some fun. Uh, anyway, my my garden blog is called felderrushing.blog, B-L-O-G, felderrushing.blog. Uh, last week is about gnomes. Who can give away an old gnome? What, where do old gnomes go? And I got a lot of fun stuff about garden gnomes that some of you might surprise you. But this week, I just posted this yesterday, it's about fake grass, artificial lawns. I've got some pictures. I've got some insights. 
some stuff you might not even think about, but some of the, the finest gardens in the country, and a lot of them in Europe, have got artificial grass, and the new stuff, I have to touch it. It's got different colored fibers. It's even got brown fibers to where it looks like it's got thatch. I've got close-up pictures. Anyway, if you're interested in that, even if you're not interested, it's a fun read. Go to fellowrushing.blog and check out not only the thing on last week about garden gnomes, also about artificial lawns and yeah, having a little bit of fun. Meanwhile, let's slide over to Octubal County to Starkville. Hey, Michelle, good morning. Hi, how are you? So far, so good. What's up? Well, um, my husband and I, uh, two years ago, took your advice uh, to buy roses from, I don't know if I can mention the name of it or not. Uh, we got sure. the most beautiful roses. And... Um, I'm not going to say which one of us did this, but my husband um, got some uh, Roundup on one of them this year. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's, they're still blooming. It, it looks like it's really dead, but every now and then we have a bloom. Should I cut it all the way back? Well, that's a couple of things. You said hosta, right? Roses, I'm sorry. Oh, roses, roses, roses. Uh, Roundup is what they call non-selective. It takes a lot of Roundup to kill a mature plant. you got to get it on a lot of leaves. And it doesn't affect the soil. So, so the, in other words, the damage is done. It's not going to continue to do it. If you cut it back, that will take the immediate stress off. And if the plant can at all, it will quickly put out new growth. A lot of people prune the roses in the middle of the summer, so they put on a better bloom in the fall anyway. So I go ahead and cut it back a third halfway. It won't hurt it at all. And, uh, and it can it quite can save it. Roundup moves from leaves down to the roots and kills it from within. So if the plants are alive at all, that means the Roundup didn't really he didn't get much on it. So whichever one of y'all did or didn't do it, it you know it didn't do a good enough <laughs> job. No, I didn't, I didn't so, say it was him. I know, I know, I know, I know. It, I'm just what, trying to be nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what he thinks happened is um, it, it was wet. It was very there was water around the rose bush um, and. That's, it didn't come from spraying on leaves, but he thinks it came from it was on the ground and it got that water. That's usually not the way Roundup works. I mean, I'm, I'm the, 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 we've had we have problems with Roundup when it's in pond water, but it's not the it's not the weed killer that causes the problem. It's the soapy the surfactant that they put in it that causes the problem. So usually it's not going to cause a problem that way. It's usually only absorbed through active green tissue. So anyway, I'd cut the rose back. It won't hurt the rose at all, and it could quite possibly make it look better. I'm going to do that. Thank you very much. Good luck. Fingers crossed. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okie dokie. By the way, uh, this past week I survived the English participation in the World Cup. And I want to say this. Anybody who thinks American football is more exciting than 90 or more minutes of men running backwards doing trigonometry and geometry in the head is either never played Angry Birds or they missed the point of soccer entirely. It was an exciting game. Let's go down to Gulfport. Is it MC? Is that what you go by? Yes, yes. What's up? I have a problem. Pardon? Yep. Yeah, I have a problem with uh, white flies on the on the uh, tomato plants. Yeah. So uh, white white flies, getting rid of white flies is like getting rid of mosquitoes. You can get rid of all those that are there, but more are going to come back. Uh, if they're not so thick that they're choking you, a lot of times the tomatoes can do okay with a few white flies. You know, they're relatively if they're real real thick. 
what you need to do is get a liquid insecticide that's for either white flies or aphids because what will kill one will kill the other. You need to spray the underside of the leaves late in the day after all the bees and, and butterflies have gone in for the evening. Don't mix it too strong, but if you spray the underside of the leaves late in the day and then repeat it a week later, you'll miss a few the first time or a few eggs, but if you'll repeat it a week later, that'll knock the worst of it. If you got a spray, do it late in the day, twice about a week apart. You can also try using stuff called insecticidal soap. It's a natural product, and it'll control a lot of small, soft-bodied insects. But you got to do it late in the day when they're quiet and on the, on the leaves. That'll help. It's not going to get rid of them, but it'll knock the worst of them down. Okay. Appreciate it. Good, good luck on it. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, folks, if uh, anybody who listened to old John Prime, if you remember the song, Dear Abby, Dear Abby, I'm looking for some garden-related lyrics. Anybody feel creative or in a, in a little bit of a naughty way? Keep it clean, of course. But if you've got, if you know the tune, Dear Abby, Dear Abby by John Prime, shoot me some garden-related things. Let's see if we can come up with something kind of fun. Uh, meanwhile, if you've got questions during the week, I'm caught up on my emails. I'm pretty sure I've answered all of them. But it's garden at mpbonline.org. Be real glad to, to, to chat with you. If you're going to send me a picture, see if it's in focus or close up. And again, if you're interested in native plants, it's going to be a really big conference that sells out pretty quickly in October in Memphis. Go to memphishorticulture.org for details. And uh, by the way, I want to also thank all of you who wrote in supporting this long-term effort to make sure our next state flag has a big, bold, beautiful magnolia flower. It represents a magnolia state. Be still my heart. Uh, anyway, regardless of what you feel, think about the current flag. Writing's on the wall. It's going to happen. But anyway, if you want to get a little bit of a thoughtful insight into this, not promotion, just a thoughtful insight, check out magnoliaflowerflag.org. It's it's a a site that I put up, magnoliaflowerflag.org. Pass the word. It's coming. We gardeners might want to say magnoliaflowerflag.org. I'm a horticulturist, Stella Rushing. We've been having fun here at the MPB. Uh, it's uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer, laid back, a hardworking Java Chapman. Mm, I didn't see who the phone greeter is today, but it's either Jason or Kevin or Jay or Michelle or Liz. Appreciate y'all's hard work. Uh, I'm your host, Fellow Rushkin. If you think of y'all as get out uh, doing some odds and ends, going to some garden, getting some ideas. And uh, anyway, if you see a new day as a chance to give it a go, go to a garden center, go to a farmer's market. Stop telling kids to go outside. Take them outside and show them how to do what we do best at a garden center, farmer's market. Wiggle your hands around the grass, whatever. Show them how to get dirty. See you all next week.